Welcome to the Coin Op Cowboys, the podcast where four guys explore the absurdities of everyday life, sharing our entertaining experiences and insights on a variety of topics. Hello, Coin Opians. This week, Chris discusses his hunting trip to the state of Virginia. We discuss all kinds of interesting tidbits from punt guns to fishing for muskies. But first, Angel discusses narcissism through the eyes of a father, reflecting on personal experience. Drop us a line if you want your comments and mail heard on air. Our email address is coinopcowboyspod at gmail.com. That is C-O-I-N-O-P-C-O-W-B-O-Y-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, follow, and rate us. Be sure to spread the word about this episode to your friends. You don't want to miss this one. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple, and Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your favorite entertainment. We release a new episode every week. Take a listen to past episodes and get all cut up because you deserve it. Now... I just switched cameras to the main stage. FYI, we had to record on a Sunday night, which is not our typical day. Chris and Ryan have just returned from their trips, and Steven takes off tomorrow. So we found a time to connect and record for all you fine coinopians. <laughs> Man, to be you right now. You're listening to me. How exciting. How exciting, you know, to be listening to me right now. Let my voice... Fill your heart and soul with excitement and passion. Everyone around you feels it. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's hop back into the conversation. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. What's up? It's your boy, Steezy. You sound, you sound sick, Steezy. I'm not sick. Why am I sick? Chris is the one that sounds like shit. <laughs> what? Chris sounds fine. That's just a new accent, yo. Stuffy nose. Yeah, thanks guys for hopping on on a weird time uh, Sunday. I think, Stephen, you're getting ready to go to on a trip, right? Yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow to Italy. Ooh. Tomorrow? Ooh. How long are you going to be gone? Mm, essentially two weeks. That's pretty dope. Going to go see the Coliseum and eat pasta from Ancient Grain and all that fun stuff. I... I'm going to see the Coliseum. Uh, we're starting off our trip in Venice, and I'm going to walk around in the water. <laughs> nice. Gonna get on a gondola ride. I got. I think I got two words of advice. The first one is: every guy on the street corner sells little handmade pizzas. Don't eat them. They're all the same. They don't taste that good. Go to the specialized people. Two, when you buy cheese, they're going to offer it. They're going to like hold it out to you. You're supposed to smell it and be like, yeah, that smells good. When they hold it out to you, don't take it out of their hand and then smell it and put it back in their hand. That really bothers them. Wait, don't <laughs> take the cheese out of people's hands? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, Why would the, you take the cheese out of someone's well, hand? Well, because he was he, like – so it was a glass case – and I was like, okay, I'll take that uh, parm- Parmesan or whatever in there. And so he would grab it and he would hang it over, but his arms were kind of short. So I, I didn't want to like horribly lean over the glass to smell it. So I just reached out, grabbed it because I got nice long arms and I, I wanted it right up under my nose so I could get a good smell. And I was like, okay, yeah, I was expecting it to smell like good cheese. Why would I, why would I be buying not good smelling cheese? And then I hand it back to him and he did not like that. He was that close to just kicking me out of his little, little deli. Wow. That's apparently you offended him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I saw the other people do it and they just go like, like, uh, I don't know, like three feet away from the cheese. And like, Oh yeah, that smells good. I'm like, that's a lie. You don't know what that cheese smells like. <laughs> well, maybe they have really strong noses. Who knows? But I think you, Ryan, just came back from a trip, and you, Chris, as well, right? I just came back from the great state of Virginia. Cool. 
for a week out there uh, hunting. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of everything. It was uh, hunting and fishing, and my I have uncles and cousins who live out there, so I stayed with them and got this, got this, got to see the place. Nice. Catch anything interesting? I did. Lots and lots of fun stuff, and I got a few good stories when when my my spiel comes up. Oh, ten four. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. You don't you don't get a few stories, Chris. You get one. <laughs> you don't oh, we're know. On a time crunch. We're on a time crunch. <laughs> don't want to be up to two AM, please. That's true. We have work in the morning, so I can't help that my stories are just that much more interesting. All right. Well let's go ahead and kick it off. Um, with a question for each of you, and you all wait. Well, you asked Chris about his trip, but you don't give a shit I, about my trip. I asked you about yours, and you stayed quiet. It was you like didn't a say shit about mine. Ryan, we have would, it on tape. Ryan, Ryan, would mm-hmm. you do me the honor? Yes. Of telling us about your trip. Oh yes, I went to Europe and Ireland. Ah, we mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was fa- fabulous. Can I hear your best Irish accent? I. Solid. Yikes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm gonna give that three Guinnesses. Ooh. Ooh. Three and a five, eh? I have a I have a piece of trivia for the Cowboys. Oh. Okay. You're, you're all familiar with the the film Star Wars, is this correct? No. Yes. No. Absolutely not. The original six? Six. This is dealing with the original, original Star Wars. Are you familiar, Steven? I gotta Google this then. Uh yes, I am familiar with the original Star Wars. So you know in the original Star Wars they go to the uh the bar? Yes. On Tatooine. Cantina. What genre of music is that, Steven? Uh um I know the answer to this. It's it's on the tip of my tongue. It's not a genre. Trick question. It's not a genre of music. It's music that was made for a movie. False. And it's not a genre. False. Okay. Chris. That was, that was a good guess. That was a good guess. Uh, I, would I was say... really afraid that Stephen had the answer. I got really worried. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with folk folk music because it was nope, the music nope, of nope. the tattooed people. Nope, 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 nope. Angel, what genre? Uh, I'm going to call it Just space the... jazz. Space jazz. You say. Space jazz because like it's space outer space jazz. and it's pretty jazzy. It's pretty close. Pretty close. You know, the normal person would say it's jazz music. You know, George Lucas coined it as Angel. Um, Tatooine Jazz. Jizz. Shut up! No, he didn't. Yep, I swear he to made God, shit up right now. I did not make it up. No. Yep. Look it up. Wait. So instead of jazz, he calls it jizz. Yep. <laughs> oh no, he's right. And you learned this in Ireland. You learned this in Ireland, dude. They're just so much smarter over there. Where I learned it is inconsequential. <laughs> Jizz was first mentioned in canon in Star Wars Return of the Jedi Junior novelization author by Ryder Wyndham. Oh, wow. <sighs> that's another reason. That's a, that's reason number like 30 for me. It's called Jizz. You're welcome for that piece of glorious knowledge. <sighs> we listen to Jizz. Everyone in Disneyland listens to Jizz. All right. So, Ryan, would you say that you like Jizz in your ears? Never, never been a big fan of that song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead and launch into some questions for you guys. We're going to go in order, okay? And we're going to go rapid fire. It has to be quick. I need your answers really fast, okay? No time to think. I just want reaction. We're going to go in order as you appear. What's this order? You act like we know what the order is. Yeah, it's part of the bit. Angel sees an order. I see the order. (laughs) It's the only perspective that matters right now. Okay. (laughs) The question is, if you were a mad scientist, what would be your most outrageous creation? Again, 
If you were a mad scientist, what would be your most outrageous creation? The first person to my right is Stephen. My most outrageous invention would be a potion collection and each potion that would um, make somebody do certain things. So like a truth potion or like a horny potion or, you know, yeah. You'd be a wizard or an alchemist. I'd be an alchemist. Yeah. And I'd have all these things and I would use them on everybody all the time. Okay. Uh, Yep. Disappointed. What the fuck? What do you want me to do? Like I have the um I got this like thing, it's like a saddle you sit on, but like the whole you time you're riding on the saddle. No, I'm changing it. I'm changing it to the dildo. I'm changing it to the dildo saddle. The dildo saddle. Cut this cut this angel. Yeah, it's been cut. It's already cut. The dildo saddle. Nope. Okay. Potion boy. Okay, fine. Next Next up is Ryan. Easy. Nasal spray that turns your boogers into sour gummies. What? Diabolical. Could you eat them? Like, yeah, like, yeah, that's the whole point. It's so you can clean your nose. It's like recycling. Would they get stuck in there or would they fall out and become gummy bears? No, you, you would just spritz it up and it would solidify them a bit and then you'd pick them and you'd eat them. And it tastes like some like sour gummy bears. What great. flavor? Could you spray it? Spray it where? Oh, well, I don't know. Angel was asking what flavor. Sour. Sour. So I, I was going to say, so, <laughs> so could I take the nasal spray and spray it in your nose and then eat your nasal gummy bears? Why would you eat my nasal gummy Why bears? Why would I, I not? Them. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, maybe your sour is more sour than mine is. It'd be kind of gross if you, you wanted know, to eat I'm, mine. I, I, think yeah, I, I, would, I guess you could. That'd be more of a sweet gummy bear, but I could see you being like an extra sour, slightly alcoholic gummy bear. Yeah. What would happen if you... Squeeze it in your ass. It only reacts to boogers. You just have a, you'd have a moist butthole. <laughs> <laughs> you just have really wet asshole. What about okay. what about eye boogers? Do those count? Oh, good question. No, those are different kind of boogers. Nose they're not really boogers. boogers. Those are crusties. Crusties. Okay. Great. No, thank you, Ryan. All right, next up, Chris. I would create a letdown machine, like titty milk letdown. Close, close. It would be a machine. They would just disappoint you at the last possible opportunity. So let's say you buy a lottery ticket and there's like five numbers. You would get the first four numbers correctly. And then the last number, you'd be off by one. So you would get all psyched up like, oh, uh, oh, it was a six instead of a seven. Or maybe like your sports team would like uh, choke in the final moments of the game and you would lose. Or maybe your fantasy football team loses. Um, like you see a the font, the last parking spot, and as you're racing towards it, someone else would just swoop in real quick, you know. Or uh, or maybe maybe Starbucks calls your name like, hey, we got a we got a caramel frappuccino for Chris, and I'm like, oh, that's me, and they're like, oh, Chris Alexander, that's and some other random guy named Chris would be like, oh yeah, that's mine. I ordered the same thing before you. So something to get you excited just before letting you down. That's diabolical, Chris. That's pretty aggressive. Thank you. That's terrifying. It's what the world is scared to have, and it doesn't really want. But that's what a mad scientist does. You know, it's got to shake things up a bit. Right. No, thank you. All right, I'm going to round it up. Um, if I was a mad scientist, okay, and I'm a genius scientist because I am a genius, my creation would be absolutely tremendous. You know, I'd make it a time-traveling toaster. It'd be huge, you know. I'd be talking. I'm talking about a toaster that sends your toast through time, and you put it your regular piece of bread and then maybe it comes back as ancient Roman flatbread or some futuristic slice with flavors. Nobody's ever tasted before. (laughs) (laughs) No dude, it would be spectacular, man. 
they would have settings like you could choose your era. If you want a piece of toast from like the Renaissance, you got it. Or maybe something from the future. It's yours. It's like a surprise me button. You know, was that <laughs> was, yeah. was that was that fart from the future? Yeah. <laughs> so it smells old. Nice. So so you're saying if I if I did like a future setting, it would come back as like dehydrated bread or some kind of slime. Yeah, exactly. It would be whatever it is in whatever era you chose. Just toast from there. Now, what about what about what if I sent it back to the dark ages and no bread came back? Oh, you'd get bread. Just just not just not everyone. Well, my, I guess my point is that's when that's when everyone was really hungry. There was not enough bread to go around. So it's like, oh, black. But there was dark. bread. Uh, true. It'd be some. Okay. It'd be some. So it'd be kind of like questionable bread. It'd be the bread that was left for someone to eat and it's just gone. Solid. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys for your submissions. Your fucking stole that from the Simpsons, Angel. Who did? You did. I didn't. Yes. No. We talking yes, about? that was from the 2017 episode of The Simpsons. Oh my god! I knew it sounded familiar. I stopped watching The Simpsons back in 2016. Oh, okay, <laughs> but it's funny you mention it because I've been like watching The Simpsons all weekend. They just have it on repeat on Disney Plus. What do you mean they have it on repeat on Disney Plus? You, you it's on demand content, Angel. <laughs> yeah, it just you know, it just keeps playing. <laughs> Press play, and it says we'll play the next episode in 15 seconds, and then it plays the next episode. All right. I pulled out the wheel, and we're going to start the wheel and see who's next. Or Spin first. Your fucking wheel, Angel. All Spin right. Your fucking wheel. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, fuck. Oh. All right, so today, to... Angel wants Words. to talk about pillow cushions. <laughs> Words. What do they mean? <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, see, the problem, the problem is Angel uh, was expecting more time to think of his topic. Yes. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. 100%. <laughs> Every week I keep forgetting that I have something to talk about. No. So is your topic Actually, sucking dick? Yeah, it's about sucking dick. You guys ever suck dick? No. What? You should try it. I, like today? I, I mean tried so. to suck my own dick. Tell us about it for the next fifteen minutes. Oh well let me tell you. First of all, you need to start with stretching. Lots of stretching. You gotta get those ribs nice and loose. Gotta open up that uh thorax, you know. Is, is there like a certain uh, stretch that is most preferable so what i found is like you do that like butterfly stretch one where you put your feet together <clears throat> and you wing your legs out and then you like stretch your legs down open up your groin but as you're doing that you lean forward really get get your lower back stretching out and because that's going to be the key to getting down to that d you know what i'm saying i'm trying not to picture it because <laughs> i see your eyes just getting brighter <laughs> but it takes a lot of stretching, so once you're all nice and loose and stretched, then you still got to get a boner because you're not reaching your dick unless you get a boner. <laughs> there's, there's a list of imagine, steps here. <laughs> imagine yeah. you're like, all right, I got to it, but now I got to get hard. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not up. I didn't think this I was through. right there. Don't if only I had a boner, I'd be licking my dick right now. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird how that happens. Face to face with my own dick, and I'm not hard. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Angel. What? Go on. All right. We're going to talk today about narcissism. You guys familiar with what narcissism is? Not perfect. Why? Yeah, you're the most narcissistic person I know. Me? <laughs> yeah, no. you. How dare you? Oh, 100%. Oh, and in, in this virtual room? Yes, 100%. How so? How so? I don't think so. I think you are. No, well, you're full No, you're shit. the most narcissistic person shit. I know. 
Okay. Well, outside okay. outside of my own father, you are. <laughs> no, that's what I want to discuss because I've been thinking about it the last two yeah. weeks since we last recorded. We had a really good discussion last week during last episode about... Um, I think you can just briefly sum it up as like a person that is self-absorbed and self-obsessed that the world centers around them and they may... They probably don't know that they act that way. That's it. Exactly. It's someone who's like... Way to go, Stephen. Yep, saved it. It's a grandiose sense of self-importance, preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success power, feeling like you're better than another person, entitled, lack of empathy, demonstration of arrogant and haughty behaviors or attitudes. Yeah, I think that's Ryan. Oh, get the fuck out of here. So this is an intervention (laughs) for, for Ryan. You know, we're all gathered here, Ryan. We're all friends, you know. We want what's best for you. Yeah, I can't help if my penis is bigger, harder, and better shaped than yours. I'm sorry that God gave me the perfect penis. Case in point. <laughs> Prove it. Is, is it because it has less miles on it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you got you can't you can't overuse it. Yeah. Yeah. Only if saving if it for marriage. So is this like a glorious opportunity for the fans to like email in who they think is the most narcissistic cowboy? Oof, if only they knew where the email address was. It's in the it's in the details. What details? It's in the description. Check the details. Check the description. What description? There's a description. There's a description right there. I'm looking at it. Yeah, last time we were talking about life and um you know, started thinking about being a father and my own father and my own father I was uh reflecting on how he raised us, me and my brothers and cuz I only have two other brothers. And the more I think about it and I discuss with my wife, the more I realize that he is a narcissist. And I started thinking, like, why was he a narcissist? You know, like, what makes a narcissist? Like, is it something that you're born with or is it something that's made? You know what I mean? Made. You think so? Yeah. I agree with Christopher. How so? I think I think it's it's made by how parents treat their children to... Uh without teaching them about others matter and only focusing on one's own needs. Yeah. You know, you know, now, now that I, now that I say that, I'm starting to think about it. Uh, your own child, did you have to teach them the word mine? What do you mean? Like, uh, you know, so your kid, uh, your kid has a toy. And if, uh, if another kid or you goes to grab that toy, they're like, well, mine. And they're like, this, this, this one's mine. And now the funny thing is they did not buy it. They were probably given to it, or maybe they even just found it, but they they consider it theirs. And I did not need to teach my children that, but they know that. And that makes me think, were they born with the idea that they were so special that that toy should belong to them? Yeah. Yeah, kids are inherently like like selfish creatures. Yes. Right? Yeah, the world revolves around them. That part of their brain probably hasn't developed yet that like lets them empathize and understand that there's other... People. But I think I might be blurring two things because the I, I think the whole mind and some of those things you don't have to teach your children, that has some similarities. But when I think of a narcissistic person, I think about it on a much deeper sense. Not deeper, but you know, like they have high self-importance and they believe they should naturally get special favors for things. So I don't get I don't get the impression that that is uh, what children have. No, kids, I don't think are capable of being called. I don't think you can call a kid a narcissist because they really haven't defined themselves as that yet because all kids are selfish and do super self-centered things because that's they haven't developed yet. So yeah. it's more like of a term that you would use towards adults who never grew out of that, I think. Like, do you, yeah, it would... Uh, 
in order to be like, do you need to be aware that you're a nar- narcissist in order to be a no, narcissist? No, most narcissists aren't. No, most narcissists aren't aware. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, you could be like a greedy person and just like know you're being greedy, but you don't give a fuck, you know. But a narcissist is somebody that does everything they do is just totally unaware mm-hmm. of how it's affecting other people. You know, it, it's it's funny. I had a I had a coworker and and as as a joke, he would say this phrase, and it makes me laugh every time. He goes, "Hey." I'm one of the most humble people you're ever, you'll ever meet. And that made me laugh because it was, you know, the irony in there. And I kind of see a little bit of that on a narcissistic side. I mean, I know it for sure I'm surrounded by narcissists. I feel like Chris probably would be surrounded and deal with a lot of narcissistic people. I think you see a lot of that type of behavior in like the upper management of workplaces. Um, yeah. Pe- people taking credit for a team effort. And acting like, wow, you know, my company uh, is the best. You know, I run it so well. And it's because of me, you know, you know, like that kind of behavior. And mm-hmm. you see that a lot in upper management that they really were just a face on something and everybody else did all the work and they just taking all the credit. Yeah. it's, um, it's it, I see. I see that from like, if you look at it as your own company aspect, I think just the higher companies go higher to the top. I think they get more and more that way. Um, and I, I think my, my, my thought on it is maybe they got there. Maybe they got to that director or vice president or CEO, maybe whatever. Maybe they got to that because they went to their boss and said, look what I did, you know, which may have been, look what my department did, but look what I did. I managed this department. I created this. So that is why I made it this, this much. And they're like, oh, we should promote you. And then they just kind of keep working their way up until their own personal legend is like, you know, so, so, so far past where reality is. It's one of those terms I feel like that gets brought up all the time, you know, like uh, people, this, this term and the term gaslighting, I feel like are terms that are just always thrown around and narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. All that stuff is really broad and hard to define. And it's, it's also kind of hard to like give uh, good examples of because, they're subtle. They're like subtleties to people. I mean, there are like people that are very extreme in their behavior, but a lot of narcissistic traits are very subtle. Yeah. It's hard to explain for me, at least right now without doing research and getting my thoughts. Yeah. That kind of self-importance is really important, right? I mean, it could be healthy narcissism and it's necessary for mental well-being, you know, but there's when it becomes excessive and it results in distress or impairment of personal, social or like occupational functioning, um, I think it could be pro- problematic. So here I'm like on some, I don't even know, this medical website or whatever. And it's like explaining examples of this at like the workplace or examples in families. or ex- So like examples at work and what it says is routinely lying on resumes or in job interviews seeking admiration by bragging or exaggerating achievements, deliberately taking credit for someone else's work, spreading rumors about someone a person perceives as a rival to get ahead, befriending coworkers to get something such as unpaid help with a project or skill. I mean, there's just like, these are just examples of just very selfish people, but they probably do it. Not really think thinking they're doing anything wrong. I think that's what makes them narcissistic. Yeah. And not just lacking morals. Yeah, it's the reason. And you said it a couple of them. Uh, the reason I 
I think my like my own father is a narcissist is because my brothers and I really aren't on the same page and we are untrusting of each other. We don't have the greatest um, relationship. And uh, I don't talk to one of them and the other is like, yeah, I talk to him like I trust him, but it's like it's kind of awkward. Uh, and uh, we were talking about it and I think it all stems from how he raised us to view the world and each other. And to this day, um, if someone finds flaw in anything that he says or does, then immediately it's like that person's just a terrible person and will exaggerate. Like right now, I'm the black sheep of the family. Like I'm not well accepted and it sucks. Um, Why? Why? Because uh, there was an incident that happened last year where uh, I went against his wishes. I really don't want to get into what, exactly what it was, but keep it ge- yeah. generic. Then, like, um, basically, we didn't agree on how children were to be raised. Um, yeah, and you stood your ground. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I actually stood my ground. Oh wow, this definitely didn't happen in our life either. <laughs> <laughs> And the people that I had to deal with definitely aren't raging narcissists. You know, narcissistic parents fuck up kids bad, like bad, because the kid never understands like what it's what they are doing wrong. And it just creates all this weird doubt and all the this. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not and, a therapist, but <laughs> I, know, I know narcissistic parents like extremely fuck up kids. And, yeah. So, it, and the reason I want to bring it up is because I had a call from my brother, the one I speak to the other day. And he, we were talking that my, how many brothers you have? I have two other brothers. I'm the oldest. Oh, you have a sister? No. Okay. So three bros. Three bros. Okay. Uh, it was a, a family event with his fiance and my father went and he was talking to him. He was like, Hey, so I noticed that their family's really close and there, you know, another part of my mother's side of the family is really close. Like all these people are really close. I don't understand why my family isn't really close. And see, it stems to he likes to pitch us against each other. That's a classic narcissistic trait. Yeah, and we didn't realize that he was doing that until way later in life. Yeah. So to pause you for a second, um, I read a lot about this back when we were going through issues with my wife's family. That was two years ago. Um, And I told my wife that I was like, well, I mean, I've been reading a lot about narcissistic parents and just kind of how that might affect you. And that was like one of the biggest examples was they pit their kids against each other. Like, well, like, oh, you're not doing things the way that your brother does it. Right. Right. Your brother is a perfect person. Why don't you try to be more like your brother? You know, just constantly chasing their approval. And then that switches on you. And then all of a sudden angels, the chosen child, and now your other brothers are living in your shadow. And then they're telling them, why can't you be more like angel? And it messes them up. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Um, and I, I just, you know, and it is what it is. It's whatever, you know, that's how my father has always been. And my mother supports him hundred percent that way. She may not be aware of it. I don't think she is. Mm -hmm. I think she, she actually views him as a strong person for because what he'll do is if he disagrees with one part of the family he'll cut them off period you're like i won't i won't talk to them and then my mom will say yeah you're he's a strong person to be strong enough to cut them off and i'm like no he's being a coward he's not bringing any like issues up to the front and talking about it 
And uh, dude, are you related to Mel? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the culture. Oh, dude, it's just seriously the same thing. The minute anybody goes against what they say, it's just like instantly you're not welcome. Yeah. See you. I'm the king of the castle and you obey me at all times. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm fucking 35, <laughs> dude. <laughs> like, I can't. Yeah. Like, I just can't do that. Yeah. And then I see like a family relationship like Ryan has with his brother and Chris has with his brother. And I, Stephen, I haven't really seen you interact with your siblings, but we get along. It's all really positive and working together and you guys play around and fool around. And it's something that I admire. I like to see that there's another side to something, you know? Yeah. So that's the sad part is like, I think a lot of people are like, well, why can't I have, you know, it's just like, you don't get to choose. Well, my dad would always just tell me growing up whenever I'd have those kind of questions. Like, why don't I, we have that? It's like, life's not fair. <laughs> like get over it. The faster, <laughs> the faster you accept it. He would tell me this like every week, life, like life's not fair. Get over it. Yeah. No, but the, the, the whole incident, I am planning on talking on a future segment of what happened um, but and it happened all last year. I just need to prepare yeah. it. But I wanted to set the stage and talk about narcissism and kind of bring it to discussion. And thank you, Stephen, for sharing. Um, it is something that is kind of frustrating because I see I see like how it affects the kids, and I don't want to do that to my own kids. So just kind of being aware. The first of that. step is being aware. Yeah. First step is being aware because these people that are doing it are not aware that they're fucking up their kids and you're at least aware of how that could affect your kids. You're like, I'm actively trying not to do that. And if I catch myself doing things a certain way, I'm going to like pull back. Yeah. I'm I'm also noticing, I think it's a generational thing too. Uh, Like, I I don't know if you're like the, it seems like a lot of the uh, parents that are around my parents age talk about the way that they disciplined like me, my generation, you know, it was a lot more of, Hey, uh, spankings really popular spankings with, you know, maybe a wooden spoon or something. Um, it was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's the way to solve it. And then, and then probably surprise, surprise, you didn't talk about like feelings or anything else. Uh, and I think our generation grew up that way and we're like, Hey, we kind of think it would have been, we could have fixed some things if we would have maybe done a little bit differently. So I feel like when I'm raising my kids, there's some things that I'm using, but others that I'm like, nah, I'm going to kind of go in a different direction to try and make this one work. And then I see a lot of, a lot of other parents that are around my age are kind of seeing that same thing. Like, um, like, like spanking, for example, I have had, I've, I've tried spanking a few times and I have had very little success with it. Um, it, it actually, if anything, it made the situation worse, I would say. So, and, and I've actually had more success, uh, you know, maybe, uh, take, take my kid and moving him to a different room, something to kind of change up the scenery and give him an opportunity to kind of snap out of it and then kind of get on his level and focus on it. So, um, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's, it's our generation is trying to do it differently now. And all the, all the parental generations before us are all saying, Hey, this is all how we operated and it was fine. You know? Yeah. Spanking's funny because it's just, uh, do you want your kid to listen to you because they're like fucking scared of you or, you know, like, do you want to be looked at as a monster or do you want to be looked at as like my dad? Oh, I love my dad. He's a cool guy. I don't know. But I, I feel like you do have to have like a baseline of like, you know, I can fuck you up. Right. Like, you know, that I'm like capable of laying down the law. 
but you don't want to have to enforce that all the time. Yeah. There, there's definitely like red light things, right? You know, there's some things where like, hey, my kid is doing this and we got to stop that right now. We got to let them know that's not cool. So, you know, you kind of got to go about that a, a different way. But I think I think it was like for my my myself, it was, oh, like, you know, there was a little bit of fear of dad of, oh, yeah, like he could, um, you know, he could really crack it down at any moment. And you're like, well, you probably don't want it to be that hard. You, you want, like Stephen, like you were saying, you want your, you, you want to be able to enforce the respect if needed to, but you don't, you don't want your kids to be absolutely terrified of you either. Yeah. That like the minute you get angry, it's right to hitting, you know, like I feel like most of the time, like a stern voice and maybe timeout is going to do the trick. Mm -hmm. I, I think the trick is you need to find a way to snap the kid back into reality. And I think for us, it was, oh, when you get a, when you get a spanking, you, you suddenly realize, hey, something's different. But if you can if you can get that same reaction without a spanking, then I think that's what you want, you know, at in the beginning. And again, I was seeing that with moving the kid to a different room or maybe raising your voice or, uh, you know, taking toys away. Like you got to do something that's like makes a drastic difference so they can stop for a second and come back to reality so you can start talking to them again. I think it's like fucked up, like the only time I think about spanking is when I'm already seeing red, you know, I'm already like yeah. fuck, really ticked off or annoyed. That's the only time like, and I'm not even in a position to do any sort of reasonable or like responsible discipline. And then when like, you're not that angry, but you know, they're doing something wrong and they're not listening. You're like, well, I don't really feel like spanking them right now because I'm not really like, I'm totally like my mental state is totally calm but uh, I need to stop this. So, I mean, I'm not going to just, I can't spank under that. Yeah. I don't know. Got to do something. It's just not, it's just not our parenting style. Like, yeah, we have done a little here and there and it's, it just doesn't seem to like work like for the same thing you said. And it's just not really our style anyways. Yeah. Same to be uh same here. Physical. We've tried it too. And it's, it gets immediate results, but it's not like it doesn't stick, you know? I think the I think the bigger point is uh, you, you know how there's like those those five love languages right so so what you want to do is like for your spouse you want to know what their love language is so it's like oh if you do this you'll get extra bonus points well to a degree you want to know what what is most important to your kids so like mine for example it's very prominent that toys are drastically important so i can make all kinds of threats in the world but the moment the moment i pick up a toy and i say hey i'm taking this away or i'm putting this toy on timeout it's like whoa 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 that was like my most favorite toy ever let's calm, calm down dad let's let's not get it let's not get hasty here you know any other things i was doing it would kind of have mild results but the moment i start picking up toys that's when it gets serious and I just, I, I figured that out cause I identified that from my kid. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's a really good pattern that you recognize that what is important to them. And that brought to mind something that we did, like, I want to say a little bit ago is we found that she really liked this plush toy. Right. And, um, <laughs> she, we, if we took it away, she didn't care, but we, we had an idea and we only did it like once and she listened immediately. But then we discussed it afterwards. It was like, you know what a whipping boy is? Yeah. Yeah. We tried to use it. It was a little stuffed cat and we would grab the cat and be like, if you don't listen, we're going to give spankies to the cat. And she was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this works. Nice. If it works, it works. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you're not hurting them. You're only like making them 
Yeah. Not one something. Yeah. It was. It was kind of funny. Or I had I had a coworker that he he had kids and he got this thing called a Disney Cube. So it's like you have internet come into your house. Your internet goes to your Wi-Fi router. Your Wi-Fi router plugs into this Disney Cube device. So what it is is on the parent's phone, they bring up the Disney Cube app and they assign internet time and power to all their kids' devices. So let's say all your kids have a Nintendo DS or a cell phone or something. So they can plug in there. They are allowed to have two hours or one hour of internet time per day. And the moment that that internet time runs out, that device stops receiving internet from the router. Oh. So, but he would also use it uh, offensively too, where you said it were all the kids would be arguing, fighting with each other. Like, hey, what's going on here? Well, this, that, and the other. He's like, okay, hold on. I'm turning everyone's internet off right now. And he pulls out the cell phone. And at that moment, it's like, whoa, whoa, dad, 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 calm down. We can, we can work this out. We can, we can figure it out. So he realized that the internet, which led to the kids' games or the kids socializing, is what was most important to them. And so he just he held that at any time he needed to. He'd pull it out. He's like, hey, do I need to start going through the internet app? <laughs> the kids, the kids cooperated. Yeah. Yeah, it's using those alternative methods. That's a really good one. I haven't heard of the Disney Cube. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Chris. No problem. For y'all. So this is a story with my daughter and my mother-in-law. It's kind of funny and a little screwed up. Uh, My mother-in-law took my oldest daughter to Disneyland, and they were actually a California adventure. It doesn't matter. Um, And she was at the time learning to potty train. Uh, so she was telling my mother-in-law, I need to go potty. She's like, okay, let's go. Uh, so they went into the stall, sat down, but nothing was going on. At the same time, my mother-in-law needed to use the restroom as well. She sat down and all of a sudden my daughter started freaking out because, uh, for some reason, who knows, but she started like screaming. I think she didn't, she wasn't happy that her, that her grandma was like using the restroom or for whatever reason. There was a woman who was knocking on the door after like a minute or two going on. And she's like, oh, my God, she's beating. She's beating this girl. She's beating this girl. And my mother-in-law was trying to tell her, like, no, she's just screaming. She's just throwing a tantrum. And I guess at the same time, there was a restroom attendant in there telling her, like, no, lady, like, the kid's just freaking out. Turns out the lady, like, called Disney security over. And Disney security, like, had to sort it out. But, like, the lady was like, yeah, she's, like, totally, like, beating the kid in there and... Security was like, no, it was just a kid throwing a tantrum. So, yeah. What a nosy. I mean, dude, that's the most nosy thing. It's like, yeah. And then why do you assume that first? That's messed up. Like your first assumption is I beat the shit out of my kid or like my, your first assumption. You don't even see me doing it. You don't even hear me doing it. You just hear a kid crying. And your first instinct is like that kid's getting beat. Like, tell me what your problem, who hurt you? What are your problems? (laughs) Yeah. It turns out yeah, the world hurt me, Steven. (laughs) That, that lady didn't have uh, didn't have kids or anything because my, my mother-in-law asked, like, do you have any kids? And she's like, no. And it's like, well, that's evident now because this one here. Hi, sweetheart. You need help? Put, you're supposed to be in bed. That ki- that, it's going to get spankies if you don't go to yeah, bed. Yeah. Yeah. Threaten th- th- spankies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it on my group. Give me a minute. I'm going to put her back in bed and dress this. Whatever it is. <laughs> Ryan's feverishly typing up his topic over there. Oh. Oh, Ryan's Ryan's coming in for the kill. <laughs> <laughs> so sounds so tight, like a tight bee hole. <laughs> tight, tight like a tiger. You, like you would know. 
I wouldn't. My butthole's so tight, I have to spread the cheeks in order for farts to actually escape. That's tight. So tight. <laughs> so how did you... when, when we were in Ireland, we went to this 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 monastery. It was very beautiful. We were walking down the serene trail, and this old couple was walking towards us, probably like sixty five years old, maybe maybe plus. And as they walked by, the old the the gentleman of the group just let out a fart. They're, <laughs> and, I, and I just busted up laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing. What else can I do? And then he goes, It happens. And I was like, eh? <laughs> Sure do. You know, I was. <laughs> so for some reason, I saw this TikTok video that it was, it was a compilation of people, of students trying to hide their fart during class. <laughs> oh, I love those. <laughs> so they would, they would like hold their folder and they would like drop it and try and fart at the same time, but the, the drop would be offset and, uh, and the fart would be very obvious. Or if you try and like <laughs> cough ahead of time or something, it, it was a good laugh. Those made me, those make me laugh. Farting in school is one of my favorite memories of school in general. It's just farting. Wait, that you would fart in school? Oh yeah. Why? Like what kind of reaction did you get? My, my favorite one was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> Ryan's already crying. <laughs> it was like sophomore year. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I sat on the other side of the room. For some reason, I was sitting on the opposite side of the room of where I usually do. <laughs> and I farted, and it was a silent one, and it was super hot. Like, it burned your butt cheeks and whatnot. So I knew it was going to smell really bad. Oh, so I farted, and then I went to the other side of the room. <laughs> and, when I got the, and when I got the other side of the room, all of a sudden, everybody started smelling it. But they blamed my friend Mike, who was sitting in front of me, and the entire class, including the teacher, got upset with him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Such a menace. The, me- <laughs> the, me- the menace strikes again. That was just dying. You letting your boy Mike this. take the fall, bro? Oh, That's yeah, I 100% did. 100%. Asshole. He probably no looked shame. over at you and said, I know you did that, motherfucker. I know you did it. But how guilty do you look if you're like, no, it was Ryan. Ryan did it. <laughs> and then Ryan's going to be like, oh, I don't know what you're doing. My farts don't my even brand. smell. My brain. That's so funny. When I, was, when I was in high school, if I made a toasted bologna sandwich, the next day I always had rancid farts. Jesus. Bologna. That would do it. I love how it has to be specified. A toasted bologna. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't just be it a normal to be one. Toasted. No, the bread had to be toasted. Dude, you're just like imagine. On your, you're on your way to pastrami. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine if your uh, bologna sandwich had toast from another era. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Future pastrami. Pre-colonial bologna sandwich. All right. Thank you, Angel, for sharing such a serious and annoying topic. Yeah. Um, this is a comedy podcast after all, so thank you for bringing us down. Um, let's uh, go to somebody else. I put the picker wheel up for... The jigger picker. Yeah, the jigger Spin picker. Spin your fucking wheel, Angel. Spinning. Make it Chris. Oh, <laughs> big money to whammies. Make it me, and then I'll go MIA after. Wow. Oh, baby. Ryan called it. Here we go. It's Chris. Chris's five-minute topic. Let's go. All right. We got this. We got this. What up, Wranglers out there? Your boy Chris here just got back from the Great East. 
Just got back a few days ago from the great state of Virginia. So I have some, uh, I have multiple cousins and uncles back there. And uh, my dad and I flew back there and we, we were out there for about a week and it was fantastic. So I was going to take this opportunity to uh, pick up another segment of Chris Takes a Walk Through the Woods, part two. Bum, bum, bum. Boom. So have you guys ever been to Virginia? Question. No, I can't When say you say cousins, mm, are they like married to each other? Yes. Are they sucking cousins? All right. Yes. <laughs> App, we, we, we call them Appalachian cousins. No, uh, they are. So of the state of Virginia, they were in the uh, western half. And the western half is like the uh, ruggedness, mountainous area. The eastern half is kind of down by the coastal coastal area. But uh, a little bit about Virginia. Um, it was a ri- one of the original colonies. Its capital is Richmond, which was the capital of the south during the Civil War. Largest city, Virginia Beach. Have you guys ever heard of Virginia Beach? Yeah, no, I have heard of Virginia Beach. Yeah, it is. Why are one they of the called most... a Commonwealth? Why do they call what the Commonwealth? What is a Commonwealth? Commonwealth of Commonwealth of Virginia. What is that? Uh, that is. I was looking at that regarding the distillery, but the Commonwealth of Virginia almost sounds like the uh, business side of the state because they have a state store that sells alcohol. So it's like. Uh, Virginia itself is not selling alcohol. The Commonwealth of Virginia, which is almost the business side of Virginia, is selling the alcohol. Wikipedia says Virginia, officially named Commonwealth of Virginia, it's like the actual name of the state. But they just abbreviate it to Virginia. That is a fantastic question. I would love to hear more about it, though. I don't know. I don't know why. Come on! Yeah. So, uh... What else we got in here? They have this thing called a fall line. So half of Virginia, you have like the at where the Appalachian Mountains came up at. You have those rose steeply out of the ground, and they have this solid bedrock line where the rivers have like this fifty foot fall difference. So you have a lot of cities. You know, if you if you have a ship coming in from the Uh, From the coast, they can only go so far inland until the rivers start being problematic. So it's just kind of like a weird geographical thing out there. Uh, Motto. Steven, do you happen to know the Virginia motto? Uh, Yes, I know it. It's right here in my head. (laughs) You got it. While you look that up, uh, (laughs) Stonewall Jackson also... Uh, he was a school teacher before his military days out there. He was a school teacher of natural and experimental philosophy. I would love to know what experimental philosophy is. Um, but there was, uh, while I was out there touring, uh, we got, I got to see the area where he was teaching at. And there was actually during the Civil War when the Union was coming down and burning everything in sight, uh, Stonewall Jackson collected his students it was a VMI, Virginia Military Institute. He collected his students, his cadets, about 250 of them. And those students went out and partook in the Battle of Newmarket. So I thought that was pretty hardcore. Imagine being like, uh, imagine you're just like, you know, you're, you show up to your math class like, oh, hey, grab your rifles. Let's go do this, guys. <laughs> Let's go, boys. All right. So, Stephen, the motto is Virginia is for lovers. Heard that before. Yeah. So, apparently, and I was I was trying to look it up, uh, 
It was used since 1969. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, but now it's, it's been getting better. Yeah, it's been uh, it's, it's like an intimate uh, it's like an intimate thing now, and, and apparently, I I honestly have never heard of that before. But multiple people I talked to, they were like, that was something that everybody in the United States knew, except for me, for some reason. So they said uh, Virginia's for lovers was acknowledged as one of the top ten tourism marketing campaigns of all time. Wow! So all you had to do is put that out there. Everyone wanted to come visit Virginia for some reason. Uh, so you know how I was talking about Virginia Beach. Uh, Thirty. The reason it's popular and/or familiar is Virginia Beach is a super popular spring break location. It's kind of like the uh, I guess like you have like Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, and Virginia Beach, Virginia. That's like where all the students rush to. They say they receive like thirty thousand just students rolling into town. Gets it wild. Virginia also had a city, a colony, a settlement of Jamestown. One of their settlers was John Smith. Sound familiar? <clears throat> I was hoping you to say John Cena. Yeah, it's Pocahontas. Ha! It was John Smith, and he did interact with a chief, a tribal chief daughter, Pocahontas. So I guess that's more or less where it came from. So, yeah. Yeah, but it was a good time. So, in short, Chris, why go to Virginia? So every year, uh, my dad, my uncle, my cousins, we try and do some form of a, a, a hunting or fishing trip together. So normally, or actually in this instance, we were planning to go to Colorado to hunt elk, and we did not get drawn. So we said, okay, well, we're already planning on doing something, and what should we go do? So my uncle said, hey, come on out. You can you can check out. We have deer. We have geese. We have fishing. We have dove. We have squirrel. You, you know, this, that, and the other, everything. So we headed out there, and it's a pretty cool place. For the most part, every single day, we woke up, and my uncle had a canoe. My cousin had a raft, and we would just float down one of the rivers fishing. And there's like a lot of like large, uh, smallmouth bass out there. Uh, we also took the shotguns with us because it was geese season, right? Have you guys ever, ever interacted with a goose? Yeah, they're assholes. Pretty sure I've been chased by a goose. Yeah. <laughs> so funny enough, it's not those kind of gooses, the real aggressive ones that are like, for some reason, I envisioned them as a kid. They're, they're giant. They chase kids. They're all white and they're big and scary. These ones are actually Canadian snow geese. Oh, so we would get in the canoe and we would just be cruising down the river, fishing, doing whatever. And they would look and we're like, oh, there's some geese right there. So then we would kind of like position our boats and we would roll up on them and then we would we would bag them, go pick them out of the river and go back. And we got like uh, we had some pretty good success with that. Those are beautiful birds, Chris. I'm looking them up right now. So it's the funny thing was those things were almost hunted to extinct extinction in like the late 1800s. The whole East coast has a lot of waterfowl that comes through, but in the late 1800s, there was commercialized hunting, which is uh, businesses hired hunters to go bag as many geese as they could. And then they would take the geese and they would process them and they would sell them. Uh, so they stopped that in the early 1900s because the hunters came up with a thing called a punt gun. You guys ever heard of a punt? I think, I think I said that right. Punt gun. Ah, yes. I think that's a Chris Boswell's nickname. That's pretty close. So it is, let's see here. So for all the viewers out there, you can go ahead and Google this punt, P-U-N-T gun, punt gun. 
And this is kind of what it looks like. This one right here. There you go. So it is this it is this rifle that is actually it's more it's more of like a extra large shotgun. So this shotgun is what appears to be ten feet long. And what they would do is they would attach it to a boat. And they would so you have all these geese out on the water and they're sleeping at night, and you would get a few of these guys and they would paddle up near it, and then they would use the paddles of the boat to kind of position the gun. And then they would fire this giant shotgun blast. And basically what it would do is it would just take all the birds out. Is there some <laughs> sort of recoil on that thing? It looks like. Yeah, we'll see. See, but that's so the thing, long though. and heavy. No, no, no. It had massive recoil on it. But see, that's why they put it on a boat. Because if, oh. if you put it on your shoulder, like like th- this one over here of someone like holding it, that was very unrealistic. It was definitely mounted to a boat. So the recoil would go off and that would totally break your shoulder. Now, when you put it in a boat, all the recoil does is push you backwards, right? Yeah. Well, they also learned that the back, they they had the most success doing this from a canoe instead of a typical boat. If the back of your boat was like a flat 90-degree angle, the the force backwards would cause a wave to come over and swamp the boat. But if the back of your boat was more of like a pointy canoe shape, it would just you would just fly backwards and everything would be fine. Wow. So yeah, yeah, it had like a, I think it had like five pounds of shot in it or something. Let's see if I can find one. Jesus. That is a, yeah, it's really big. Yeah. And then I, like, I saw it, like. Was it necessary? Uh, it was highly effective because oh, yeah. the, like, and even we noticed this. So we go up to the geese, we see them all out there. And the trick is you want that goose to fly. So I found out, I don't know if you guys know this, but do you know that geese almost have body armor? No. So when when a goose's wings are down, your shotgun pellets are most likely not going to get through that wing and strike its vitals at all. Oh. So so you want it to start flying because now the wings are out of the way and you can hit its underbelly. But regardless, our strategy was no matter what, aim for the head because that's going to be your best bet. So when we when we got a few of these and we were cleaning them later we noticed that most of the pellets got just got uh it went into their fat layer but it didn't actually penetrate their muscles and we just saw pellet after pellet after pellet all over the place we're like wow it didn't even get there so yeah it would just be like like imagine someone shooting you in your tummy and it goes into your fat but it doesn't get through and hit anything else don't know what you're talking about just fucking all rock hard abs, bro. Yeah. Oh, oh, here you go. So see this red shell right here. This is what a a typical shotgun shell looks like. And then this one next to it, your average shotgun shell is about two inches long, and the shotgun shell for the punt gun was ten inches long. Wow. So Stephen, I think you're familiar with what ten inches is, right? It's <laughs> a very it's a very accurate picture there, Chris. You know. <laughs> Yeah. So it would just go like, you know, it would just fire and it would just hit all the birds in the area and they would be able to collect a bunch, especially when they're all together. So like when we would canoe up on the birds, we would, we wanted them to fly. So we'd be pointing at them, waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, one of them starts to fly. They all start flying at the same time. So they would just all get up and they would take off down the river. I think we had a, you know, our, our shotguns are only allowed to hold three rounds. So I was barely able to get off three rounds before they were out of my preview anyways. So I can see how the punt gun came in handy. Hell yeah. 
Now, the other funny question is uh, when we when we were cleaning the birds, um, we're planning on cooking cooking their their breast meat later. When we c- cut that off, it it was uh, so chicken is usually like a white meat. Well, geese meat is red, like beef. Red. Yeah, completely red. That's dope. Like, uh, yeah. And, and I was looking at it, I was like, this, why does this not, this, it looks different. It doesn't look accurate. So for whatever reason, their meat is red. And when we got off the river, one of the locals was like, oh, did you get any geese? I said, yeah, we got a few. And he says, I got the best recipe for you. You take the meat, you put 50% geese meat, 50% bacon in your grinder, grind it up, make burgers. Dude, that sounds good. It does. Looking forward well, actually, to Actually, I don't know. I don't know what geese meat tastes like but it, if you say it's like red meat it's like oh, dude. the impression i got is the texture the flavor the taste is all incredibly similar to beef oh so we shall see yeah grind it grind yeah, it was, it was pretty cool um one thing that did happen while we were uh hunting for the geese is so i was in the canoe with my uncle and we were trying to get to the other side of the river so we could have two groups go down at the same time and we ended up flipping the canoe (laughs) 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 now fortunately uh my uncle he had been talking about the concept that canoes can be flipped uh when we launched he had everything tied down to the canoe so that if it does flip you're ice chest or your gear doesn't go floating away. He said he has lost one shotgun to the bottom of the James river. So, uh, so over here we had everything tied down. We were going across. Now the problem with a canoe is you don't want to be perpendicular to the river. Like if the river's going down, if you're perpendicular and you get hit by a, the, the current pushes you into a rock, then that rock upends you and water came over the side. Next thing we know, the whole thing filled with water. So when that happened, I rolled out, and fortunately, we were in like a little over waist deep water and I righted the canoe, but it was like it was like a giant aquarium because the canoe was completely full of water, but all the gear was floating in the canoe, which was still nice. Now, my uncle, on the other hand, he was like, oh, Chris, I need you to hold this for me real quick. I was like, I was like, what is that? I, uh, he hands me the fishing pole. Well, we, one of the lures had poked into his hand during the process. Oh, and was, God. Yeah, and it was one of the – we were fishing for muskies, which is a very large predatorial fish. So the uh, the lure itself was probably like eight inches long and it had some big treble hooks on it. But he was actually very fortunate that it's – he was like, I think it just went straight to the bone. It didn't get deep enough to get for the little hook, hook uh, the little lip of the hook in there. So, but fortunately, wow. he also carries lidocaine in his uh, tackle box. And my cousin, who is a doctor, was also there with us, too. So, it was all good. Yeah. So, flipped a little bit of that. Uh, we did not catch any muskies, but uh, my uncle told me the first time he interacted with a muskie is he was just out there on the river, and there was, uh, there was a duck and then a bunch of baby ducks. And the next thing you know, this fish's mouth came out of the water and grabbed the baby duck and disappeared. Chris. Oh, Jesus. Steven. Chris. Other than um, being what Ryan's perfect penis smells like, what is a muskie? What? so so a muskie is this really unique fish it's actually a fish that not a whole lot is known about it because they're i think they're fairly rare and they're not uh, uh they don't interact with we don't get a lot of interaction with them so basically a muskie is a it's a predatory fish uh instead of having like razor sharp teeth 
it has a bunch of very pointy teeth. So the idea is when it bites you, it just has a bunch of darts that go in and it will hold you steady. Now what a muskie does, uh, actually let's, let's flip to what a regular fish does. Like let's say a bass. So a bass just eats a bunch of little fish throughout the day to sustain its energy. A muskie doesn't do that. A muskie will find like a two pound bass and he will attack and eat that. And then he'll spend like three to four weeks digesting that bass. And he'll just be, he'll just be sitting under a rock doing nothing, literally just digesting and hanging out. So then about a month goes and what he's doing is he's conserving energy. So he just hangs out. And then when he gets hungry again, he goes and finds another big thing to attack. So when we were fishing, if we were hooking into a bunch of fish that was like, oh, that's great. But we get to a stretch. We're like, man, this looks like a good spot. The bass should be hitting and they're not. <gasps> a muskie must live nearby. So we, so we would have another pole that's already rigged up with the muskie and we start throwing after that. That's funny. Muskie I just like the idea fish. of a fish just hiding. Yeah. Like my, it's kind of uh, sad because he took a ducky. I think if I remember right, my uncle told me the first time that he had caught one. Here we go. This is kind of what a muskie looks like. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's like a prana. Yeah, and and he even had or a barracuda. He had a, it very much so. He had a special set of tweezers where he would say, "You don't want your hands anywhere near its mouth." So we had these giant extra long tweezers just to just to deal with this guy. So, but my uncle told me he was in like a uh, like a like a, an inner tube boat. I would say like a floating boat. And so he'd be, he'd be floating down the river fishing. And he remember he hooked into a muskie. And so he starts fighting it and this muskie just took off. So he remembers he was in his, he was in his inner tube and he was being pulled by the fish and he went by some other fishermen on the shore and he waved at them as he was going down river, which they didn't seem too impressed with. But then when the muskie turned around and started pulling him up river, and he waved again. <laughs> then they were generally shocked. <laughs> Damn. So, and he said, this thing, this is supposed to be real wild. He says, you'll know, you'll know when you hook into a muskie, cause it will come flying out of the water. It'll be, it'll be flying all over the place. And he says, when you're throwing the louver, he says, he's like, a muskie's all about violence. He wants everything to be very violent. So he's like, when you reel that lure in, you need to be wiggling and pulling and reeling as fast as you can, something to make it look very lively because it wants to it wants to go mess something up. Damn. So yeah, got wild, got wild. Um we saw I saw some wild turkeys out there. That was kind of cool. Uh, so it's really thick with underbrush, but this, I'm realizing this turkey is like a fantastically built creature because, uh, the only part of the turkey I saw was its head. So the turkey would just be walking in the brush and then he would, he would sit up and poke his head up and it would be like a periscope and it would be just high enough to get over the typical brush and he would look around and then he'd put his head back down and keep walking. I was like, Oh, that's fantastic. He's able to kind of hide most of that. Hmm. And then uh, ooh, one of the great relics that I brought back was some peach brandy. Mm, that sounds good. Yeah. So, so I have a so I have a cousin out there, and every time every time we we meet, I say, "Hey, man, I'm, I'll bring you some tequila if you can hook me up with some moonshine or whiskey or something like that." And he's all, "No, no problem." So this time, uh, I went out there and uh, let's see him. I took I gave him I brought him some tequila Casa Azul. Oh, okay. I think I did that right. Azul. Damn, you hooked it up. Yeah, Cla- yeah, there you go. So uh, so for them who don't drink a lot of tequila, they were saying, wow, 
that was really good tequila. I was not expecting it to taste so good, this, that, and the other. I said, oh, yeah, man, I'm bringing you the prize jewel of California. Um, and, and then I was like, when you drink it, you got to hit the little bell on top anyways. <laughs> so so they enjoyed that. Uh, and then he – so he, he usually bring me a few different things. So bring me general moonshine, we'll just, which will just be clear stuff in a mason jar. And that's just raw alcohol. So what you do is you take that and you mix it with like apples and cinnamon and you can make an apple pie moonshine, which I've done before. So I got one of those. But then he said, hey, man, here's some peach brandy. And peach brandy is like they take peaches and ferment them and then create brandy from it. And I took a sip of this and it was, it just tasted like you, I couldn't taste any alcohol. All it tasted like was I took a big bite of a juicy peach and it was fantastic. Those are dangerous. Yeah. So that was really good. So I was able to get that back. That went really well. Um, Virginia life. It was different out there. Um, Have you guys ever been in a, in a situation where, you know, well, let's take us in California or California, or even if you go to Vegas, right? We're the ones that don't have an accent. And then someone will fly into Vegas and you'll hear their accent and you're like, oh, you must be from out of town, right? You guys ever had an instance like that? Well, we very much do have an accent, Christopher. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm never that guy, though. You just don't know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when I flew back to Virginia, I realized I was now the one with the accent. So my cousin, you're, you're uh, the one without. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> they, uh, they, they said you they, don't sound like you're from around here. They said the they said the most obvious thing is you pronounce words um, in more detail, or even like I, I don't know if correctly is the right term, but. Uh, you know, instead of instead of trying to shortcut a word, you just say the full word like it's supposed to be. Uh, they say we talk fast, and we use a lot of words to describe something very simple. Simple. No, that's just you. That might be it. <laughs> that much could be it. One of the things I can always pick up on is that we have a very strong er sound, right? Like so, like down in the south, they would never say like neighbor. Yeah, maybe like neighbor. You know, like they would just, they like just let things fall off, you know, and we're very. Have you guys ever seen that uh, Saturday Night Live skit, the Californians? I feel like when you look up California accents, though, like it's always like, yeah, everybody goes gnarly, dude. Like fucking go to the store. And my name's like like, a man. Duh. Yeah, it was. uh, (laughs) We we go on the Jan from over here. What are you doing here? You never. (laughs) Have you ever seen the Californians? No, Uh, but Lincoln. We talk like that. We talk like that. I'll send you a link. We, so, so, so we sound like Blink-182 is what you're saying? Yeah, we sound like Tom DeLonge. He's, Tom DeLonge. he's the California oh, God, accent. No. <laughs> Ryan it, sounds most like him. Is it just the California thing? I, I remember looking up something and they were like talking about how we pronounce our freeways like the, take the 10, take. Yes. I've heard that too. I've heard that too. Like we say the in front of all of our highways and freeways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that a California thing or is it just an American thing? California. It's a California thing. That was that. Yeah. That they were not talking about that in Virginia. And also to measure time here in California, we reference by, we, we, ref, we describe distance by how long it takes. Oh, you want to get to Hollywood? Oh, it's going to be about an hour from here. Instead of saying it's, uh, I have no idea how many miles it takes. I just know that's how long it's going to get there. Back there, everything is Miles. So it's yeah. like, oh, that's like, you know, go about 10 miles up the road. You'll see it on the right. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I shared in the Discord a, a link to the Every Californians Ever. It's an SNL skit where they make fun of the California accent. All right. The uh, I saw trains all day. There's so many active trains over there. And actually, most of them are carrying coal. 
And I, and for some reason, I don't know if that's, I don't know if this is because I'm like a sheltered Californian, but you know, I know that, Hey, coal is bad for the environment. And, and for some reason I thought coal was abolished or something for some reason. Uh, and now I see that coal is very active in that area. Uh, I think they still use coal for a lot of power supplies, but they actually said they sell a ton of coal to other countries that don't really care as much. So it was just train car after train car after train car. I mean, I've never seen so much coal in my life. Yeah, it's the ultra pure stuff. Yeah. The uh, I found out there's this there's this area called Appalachia, which is kind of a g- generic uh, mountainous neighborhood area. So we were in the Appalachian Mountains, and you had a lot of these little towns kind of spread out from each other. But uh, my cousin was saying there's some real deep areas where you know the uh, the lo- there's still local schools where there's like 12 students and the students range from kindergarten to 12th grade. So this one teacher teaches all 12 of these students in a way to handle each one of their levels, wow. you know, and we're getting out there where I think, I think power, I mean, I saw power in a lot of areas, but I could tell they had to like work to get the power poles out there. You know, you can, in some of these very deep areas, you just see like some small homes or small trailers or, you know, these different things built out there. And you could tell that, you know, if you really wanted to get far enough away from society, you could in that area. So, and then, uh, last thing was the airport security. So, uh, when, when I was on my way back, I had a igloo, a little igloo playmate cooler filled with goose meat that is red by the way. So when we, when I'm going through and I put it, I put all my stuff on the belt. No, no, no. I, I didn't check it. I did this as a carry on. So I checked the rules and the rules said I could bring it as carry on. No big deal. So it goes through security and I see my backpack comes out and my, uh, uh, what is it? My, my shoes come out and then I see the lunchbox goes over to the side and they're like, uh, all right, whose lunchbox is this? I'm like, Oh, that's mine, sir. We need to have a word. And I was like, Oh, I can see it now. They're like, you know, you're transporting like man meat or something. Like, you know, I was thinking it could have got real weird. And they're like, all right, sir. Uh, you want to describe what this is? I said, Oh, it's, it's, it's goose, goose meat, goose, <laughs> sir, goose. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, we call a lot of them geese you know, which I don't know if that was the right sarcastic response or not. Uh, but I really thought he was going to take an issue with it. And all he said was, Oh, I see here. It's frozen. You're good to go. Have a nice day, sir. Just like that. And and the other thing I noticed was there was a sign that said no guns in your carry on. Okay. Now for you guys, would you ever consider putting your gun in your carry on? Yes. I always do. Yeah. Right. So it's, so there was like, it says a sign said no guns in your carry on. And then there was another sign, absolutely no guns in your carry on a third sign, no guns, ammo, anything in your carry on. I get up to TSA security and they're like, sir, are you aware you're not allowed to have any guns in your carry on? I'm like, yes. I said, okay, I want to make sure you don't have any guns in your carry on. And the way that they said it about five times made me think, is this like a common thing that people are just like, you know, they're probably hunting a lot in the area. So I can see a lot of people being very f- normalized with that. But, you know, how many, how many open, instances? Is it an open carry state? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's open carry state or not. So. That would explain it, I guess. Yeah, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it out there. You know, what was really weird is being away from like technology, being away from traffic. Um, I was actually very far removed from my fantasy football team. Um, 
I didn't, I had reception kind of off and on, but I wasn't like keeping up with a lot of things on my phone. It was really just sitting, sitting in a canoe, sitting in an inner tube, floating down the river, just as fast as the river would take me. Sometimes it was slow, sometimes it was fast, but it was very mellow. And I would say it was, it was really enjoyable. You know, I liked, I liked being out there. When I talked to my cousin and my uncle, he said, Oh yeah, they used to canoe down and they would camp on the side of the river and then they would keep going and they would catch fish that night and that's what they would eat. And it, it just it it made me realize that they were doing all these fun things. They've done all these fun things throughout the years. And I'm trying to think of it of like, man, well, I want to do fun things like this. And the way that I think you get there is you just gotta do it. That was the vibe that I got. Was you know, if you want to float down the river, go for it. If you want to make a trip to Virginia or some other state that you want to go see, there's no time like the present. Just go out and do it. Just do it, baby. Do it. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good time. Nice. I didn't hear that one, Steven. Oh. <laughs> you really got to put your butthole up to the microphone if you want it to be quality. Trying. Yeah. That is, keep an eye out on those trip uh, cheap turnaround tickets. Sometimes you get lucky and it's like 150 200 bucks for a round-trip ticket. Yeah. Yeah, mine was nice, I think, easy weekend trip. I think mine was four hundred bucks there and back. Not terrible. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, for some reason, I was thinking like eight hundred, but when I actually purchased on the tickets, it was like, oh, four hundred. That's it. Good to go. Virginia is like clear across the state or country, right? Pretty yeah, yeah. Coast. Not that clear. <laughs> so it was not a straight flight, though. I had to fly into Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the more common hub, and then I had to take a the the plane from Charlotte to Roanoke was one seat on the left and two seats on the right. So it was just a grand total of three seats per row. Ooh, that's yeah. a cloud bouncer. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, and that flight took all of 30 minutes and I was like 30 minute flight. Like, couldn't I just drive? Well, because of the mountains and rivers that are everywhere, um, that 30 minute flight is also known as a three hour drive. That's pretty good. Cause flying up to San Francisco and Oakland is a good six to eight hours, but it's only a 45 minute flight. Yeah. Pretty good. Let's make it boogie. All right. Cool story, Hansel. What? What's that? That was from Zoolander. Cool story, Hansel. You don't know. Oh, that's when, he, yeah, that's when right. he was describing. He was like, "Oh yeah, I was I was rock climbing with uh, Bedouin gnomes in the Andes, and then I realized I've never went rock climbing in my life. I just spent the weekend getting super high with the local neighbors." Uh, I, I got to watch that movie again. And he goes, "Cool story, Hansel." <laughs> nice. All right, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your, your story and your trip. Uh, it sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm sure the Konaopians are going to enjoy it. Yeehaw! Or will, are enjoying it right now. Do we talk in the future tense now? It's always present tense. Present tense. They are enjoying it. Yes. Except you for enjoy when you it. pretend to be in like a week later future. Yeah, yeah that was a great week, uh, great recording last week, guys. That was cool. yeah. I'm glad we have our, our regional English major to, to help us with that. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, you know, thank you so much for sharing your stories and... Uh, uh, is there anything else you guys want to say before we say goodnight? Yeah, I hope Stephen has a safe flight. Thank you. I want you to watch the finest of cinema on the on the, the plane seat. I'm raw dogging it. Eyes forward, straight ahead. Not going to fucking raw dog it. No headphones, <laughs> no movies, nothing. Just staring into the seat for 10 hours. There you go. Thinking about thinking about buttholes. Thinking about the forbidden butterflies. Ooh. Do, you, do you ever fart on airplanes? No. 
I'm not a menace to society like you. <laughs> I have. I, I fart on airplanes too. Yeah. I feel like something r- about airplanes makes me have to fart. I I, I feel like Ryan. Uh-huh. I feel like Ryan would be the guy to go poop in the airplane bathroom and then leave it there and wait for someone to walk in and giggle when they have to flush <laughs> twice. Menace. What the fuck? <laughs> Pooping on airplanes is very uncomfortable, and I'm I'm, I'm just afraid of the toilets on airplanes. Wait, why? They're, they're so aggressive. What, Do you like know the why they're so aggressive? It makes that, that suction. It's like... <laughs> so, so, Ryan, your next airplane... Um, do you know that you can use the restroom before the plane takes off if you need to? Now, I, I did that, and I realized the flush is not nearly as frightening when before takeoff as in when it's in flight. Do you want to know why there's a difference between those two instances? Uh, because of the uh, the pressurization the, of the cabin, the pressurization. So when it's on the ground, it's not nearly it's not pressurized at all. Wait. But when it's up in the air, that pressure is forcing that that flush down. Just the cabin pressure is causing the flush. The no no no. It sounds so aggressive because oh. it's like pressure pushing pushing the the toilet through. That's hilarious. Also, it's also when it's on the ground, it's like a normal one. Yeah, it's mildly terrifying to think that the plane could like hit turbulence as you're pooping in the toilet. <laughs> that would be terrible. God, it's like a. Huh. So, Stephen, while while you're flying to Europe, just just think deeply in the back of your mind. Get this nice, calm, peaceful state of mind. Maybe a few ohms, and then just think, Virginia is for lovers. And it'll bring you home. Well, we sure know that after hearing about your cousins. <laughs> uh, you, you, you know, I felt like a, I felt like a celebrity because when I was back there, I mentioned that I like, oh yeah, I got a podcast. And next thing you know, everyone was like, oh, download it. Let me check it out. I always want to listen to podcasts. So they're probably going to eventually be listening to this episode. And I hope that I did it justice on how our trip was. All right. Let us know, Angel. Like, you know what? You hang out with, you hang out with a bunch of queers. That Steven guy, he's not right. That Steven guy, uh, he's he, not right. He's got to have that butthole checked out. <laughs> Now, does he make you smell his dick, or <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's like the it's like the first time that my wife met Stephen. Even even before I met my wife at the same party, because Stephen and I were at a party and we met her, and she she walked up to Stephen and said, "Hey, I heard you're a dick," and he goes, "What? I don't know. People would say that about me." She's like, "I think we're gonna get along just fine." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, gentlemen. Well, that wraps up this one. Listeners, like, subscribe, follow, leave a comment, send us an email. It's in the description, regardless of what you hear. What, what, what's the email address, Angel? Just say it out for the fans. Email address is insert email address here. We don't have an email address? No, we do. You're a fucking liar. He we doesn't do. have it, it memorized. The email address is insert email address here. What's the email address? <laughs> I just said it like twice, Ryan. What's the email address? The email address is insert email address here. Ryan, 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 didn't you hear it? He said the email address is insert email address here. What if that was actually our email at gmail.com? Exactly. AOL.com. AOL.com. Let's see if we can get an AOL, which we have already. Obviously, it is insert email address here. Okay, guys. Um, Good night. Bye.